see everyone is uh, loud. Uh, I see everyone uh, managed to uh, not be fooled by uh, daylight savings time. Everyone survived the uh, the time travel. Yes, I know. You gotta love that. Smartphones always tell you they change it for you, so you don't have to worry about it. Uh, I guess so. You know, I, I don't want anybody's, uh, you know, yeah. It's like, yeah, everybody was crying during the sermon this morning. It was so precious. <laughs> um, the melodious sound of my voice. Melodious. Yeah. That, that sounds a little less uh, explosive. How's that? Great. Wonderful. Fantastic. Oh, it's precious. How are you doing, Hannah? Good. Good. So if you have one of those little uh, zippered Bible cases, don't get your little ribbon thing caught in it because it will destroy it. So anyway, Jesus, we thank you for... uh, meeting with us in this place. We thank you that uh, that we have this place to gather with your saints and uh, receive from you that which you have. Uh, God, you're wonderful to us and, and uh, we appreciate uh, all that we have in you and all that you are to us. Uh, God, and to, to tell you thanks uh, seems so inadequate for all that you've done for us. And uh, God, today what we pray is that you would break up the uh, the fallow ground of our hearts, Lord God, and that, that you would plant your word inside of us. God, and that we could receive with meekness this engrafted word and receive from you exactly what you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. <clears throat> so, who knows that the election is on Tuesday? I saw this, uh, one of those yard signs for a, you know, that usually endorses one candidate or the other. That just said we're screwed 2017. <laughs> it's like yeah, no, the lesser of two evils. Um, I don't think in this case there is, but uh, uh, so it has nothing to do with what I was going to talk about today. But I I wanted to share some some thoughts on that. Uh, this is basically what I think about. Uh, uh, whatever the outcome of Tuesday may be. Uh, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So that's what I think about whoever uh, we're going to end up with sitting behind the big desk in the fancy room. So uh, go with me over to Romans, where I was actually going this morning. You know, I had all the... I I came across... I was reading that earlier this week, and uh, I wrote down this great little list of all these really cool scriptures uh, that kind of tied in with that, and darned if they did not vanish 
between whatever day it was that I was writing them. I think it was Friday morning and yesterday. And uh, there was a, a certain little girl who was waving my Bible case around, and I think the little uh, notepad that I had them on may have gotten lost. But uh, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I took that as providence. And uh, I was actually... Uh, most Saturdays when we uh, have Bible study with the kids... I usually just pick whatever the verse of the day is on this, the YouVersion app. And uh, uh, it just it almost always seems appropriate. And, uh, 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 and quite frequently, it usually turns into what I end up talking about here on Sunday morning. Um, uh, so it's an interesting thing because I asked Ron once, I was like, you know, it seems like you just sort of pick subjects out of the air sometimes and just talk about them. And he's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, can I do that? <laughs> I'm like, sure, you can do that. Like, you know, the thing is, is you know, <clears throat> that, like, you know, when you, if you deal with somebody, if you encourage somebody in the Lord, you don't premeditate some sermon and write, make a bunch of notes and, you know, what that they could take notes on and bring it home and, you know, sit down over coffee and cigars and, and discuss it, it's something that you just open your mouth and it comes out. And so I was encouraged by that because it made uh, getting a word from the Lord a lot less fuzzy feeling. And so I was encouraged by that. Because there's, there's certainly still this kind of fuzzy element that's hard to explain. But um, um, anyway... Uh, so this is more or less what we talked about yesterday, a little different. But uh, in Romans 12, if I beat you there because I didn't tell you that, did I? Okay, that's yeah, that, that's how you win. Is you just you don't tell anybody where you're going. Beat you. I, I read this comic once, and this this guy really captured childhood well. These two, these kids are, are playing something, and one of the kids says, no you didn't, no you didn't, N-O-Y-A-D-I-N-T. I was like, that is so a kid word. No you didn't, no you didn't, no you didn't. I'm like, In fact, I, I remember some, uh, some of the 20-somethings around here using words like that when they were little. Aging myself a bit there. Uh, so Romans 12, uh, verse 1. Uh, as Ron would say, a familiar portion of Scripture. And uh, you know, I, I don't know, this, to me this is almost one of those default things that I just kind of go to if I don't have anything else on my mind. Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So, it's an interesting thought, uh, presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. Of course, Jesus said that uh, if you want to follow him, you've got to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him. And so, you know, this word sacrifice, you know, it's just like we would use it in English. It means both both the thing being sacrificed and the act of the sacrifice, because we use it both ways. Uh but he says to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Kind of a funny thing because what happens to a sacrifice? It 
dies. So, so he talks about this, this conundrum of, of living in this place of sacrifice. And of course, that's what taking up your cross and denying yourself is all about. Because, uh, when you, uh, when you, you sacrifice your will, as it were, lay it down to, to do what God would have you do, your, your, uh, your flesh will scream and whine and, and uh, generally make all kinds of obnoxious noises. But, uh, but he says to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, uh, holy, acceptable to God, which is reasonable service. And there's a lot of great words in here. Um, the the youngs instead of holy it says to present yourself a sacrifice living and sanctified and acceptable to God. Sanctified is a good word. I mean, holy of course uh, is is a very similar concept. And sanct to uh, uh, in fact in the in the Greek they come from the same root word. They they come from one from another. They're tied together, but uh, in English, the word sanctified means to set aside, to be set aside for a specific purpose, and, and typically with the, you know, as as service to God. And so, uh, so he talks about presenting yourself a living sacrifice, sanctified, set apart for His use, and acceptable to Him, which is your reasonable service. And if only John was here, because this word reasonable is where we get the English word logic. So, and I know how much John likes his logic. So, wasn't a very subtle way to point it out. But. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you. Okay, um, but uh, I like that, that that it's your logical service. I mean, reasonable is a good word for that. Uh, but I like I like it being logical because uh, if something is is your logical conclusion to a matter, then there really isn't any other conclusion that makes any sense. So, uh, I like that here. That, that giving yourself completely to Him uh, just just makes sense. You know, and uh, uh, I think a great way to paraphrase that, that which is your reasonable service, is uh, maybe make it a little more modern, is the very least you could do. You know, to give him everything would be the very least of what you could do because he gave everything to you and for you. And so uh, this word service is a great word, too. Uh, it, it, uh, it's used of, of a slave. It's used of a hired servant. Uh, it was used of the, uh, the priests uh, doing the service in the, in the temple, all that stuff. Where this word service comes from, so so it's like it's like it's saying that you know serving God and giving yourself over completely to Him is the most logical thing you could do. I feel like a broken record up here. We all know this, but uh, but it's a it's a great thing. Um, another thing I like about this verse is it says to present yourself as a living sacrifice, and so. There's lots of things that God wants you to do that he, he tells you, I want you to do this, and you're going to do it. And you can. It's like, I want you to get up, I want you to get ready, I want you to drive to church this morning and go 
be a church. Like, that's pretty simple, and you can do that. Uh, and uh, But what if he told you, I want you to go out your front door and and start hovering and then flap your little wings and fly to church? Not so much. You're not going to be able to do that. No, and so, but with God, all things are possible. So he asks these impossible things of you, uh, such as being perfect. And uh, because he, he understands that his word has, has creative power. So, uh, you know, for example, what's the first thing that God says in Genesis? Let there be light. And I was so proud of Levi because I, I pointed this out to him yesterday, or I asked that question yesterday, and not only did he have the answer, but he knew where I was going with it and explained why I was I brought it up. I was like, yes, it's my boy. Because there was no source. He didn't say, let there be stars, let there be a sun, let there be the neon light that says, eat at Joe's. There was none of that. It was just, there was just light. Because... The universe obeyed the creative power of his word, and it just made light. And so we know that God speaks those things to us, not because he expects us to do it, but because he's going to do it in us. But what he wants us to do is present ourselves. Because if you're presenting yourself to him as a living sacrifice, then uh, that implies that uh, you're going to be... uh, cooperative with whatever it is that he wants you to do you're not going to be he's not going to have to hog tie you and tie you down before he puts you up on the altar you're just going to let him do it which is a grand thing uh so uh so that's really the thing that he's looking for in this verse is uh is the presenting he's like just present yourself to me as a living sacrifice, because there will be things that you can do. There will be things that you'll look at that and think, I would need some kind of help from heaven. And and he knows that, and he knows the difference better than we do. There's nothing quite like screening at something and uh, and just finding out that you just can't. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think faith is like that. You know, we we just, you know, clinch, you know, it's like, I wish I knew what muscle to flex to believe, you know, and it's like, it's not about, you know, figuring something out. It's, it's this, it comes down to this decision making, because that's the thing that God wants. He won't make you do anything. He wants you to work with him and agree with him and let him do the things that, that he wants to do. And so uh, we were reading with the kids last night. Uh, we started reading um, God Smuggler with them, and uh, uh, we we spent a little time in the evening reading it. And when it came time for for bed, it was Levi's turn to pick a book, and he wanted to read more of that. So we just kept on plowing through it. But it's really cool because he was so dissatisfied with life. He 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 grew up in this little dinky place out in the middle of nowhere, and grew up. He was a little kid when his uh, uh, when Holland was occupied by the Nazis, and and uh, more than anything, he wanted to be some sort of secret agent, and and so he did all kinds of daring do against the the Germans that were in his village, putting sugar in their gas tank, and he got firecrackers, and he would uh, set them off in front of the the commandant's 
place and stuff and take off running and all kinds of stuff like that. And uh, uh, he would uh, he would slip out of the well. They they would go to church, and he would uh, always kind of linger behind. And they he said his family would always sit on the front row, uh, but there wasn't room for all of them. So he would kind of linger, and then he would go and find a seat in the back, which usually meant he would just leave altogether, and and he would go just play or do whatever it was that he did during that time, and then he would just kind of meander back to the church and listen to what everybody had to say after church, and he would pick up the text and the gist of the sermon, and so he would fake his way through the the afternoon discussion of, of the service with everybody else, and he's like, my family never figured it out. And to look back, I feel so bad. But, you know, he he was just unhappy with life. And he he joined the Army because he didn't know what to do with his life. And uh, and after World War II, the Dutch went to uh, try and hold on to their colonies in uh, Indonesia. And so um, it was a pretty gruesome war that he found himself in. And uh, he... Uh, uh, after a while of being there, he just, he wished he was, he, he actually would wear this bright yellow straw hat into battle because he hoped that somebody would hit him. And, uh, and I mean, he made no attempt not to get killed. And yet he just kept making it through battle after battle after battle and, until his hat became this kind of symbol for these, these people who just kind of didn't, didn't really care if they lived or died. And, uh, and then one day he got hit. He loved to run. He would run uh, like 20 miles a day just because he just loved it, and, and it, it, it like helped him think. And I, I thought, I don't really want to run 20 yards. I mean, <laughs> I, I saw somebody that had a sticker on the back of their car that said 0.0. I was like, that's what I'm talking about, 13.1. <laughs> no, actually, I, I, I always liked running. I just it always hurt. You know, like there's, I don't know, there's something, you know, because eventually you step on your tongue and then you trip and then you go rolling. But anyway, he gets he gets shot in the ankle of all places, and they like they tried to put his ankle back together the best they could, and I mean he was crippled, and he couldn't walk without a cane, and uh, uh, and so he comes home and he's he's 21 years old and and he's uh, uh, now this you know, Mr. Macho uh, guy is now a cripple, living at his parents' house. And uh, well, he stays with his parents for a while. Now he's in a rehab hospital, doing occupational therapy, and all this stuff. Just so dissatisfied with life. And he, uh, um, you know, God gets a hold of him. I won't spoil the whole thing for you, but if you haven't read it, but uh, um, it's really great because he. Before he had shipped out of the hospital that was in Indonesia to go home, the one of the nuns that was there at the thing was asking him, it's like, so what is it? Well, she tells him this story about how they catch monkeys uh, in Indonesia. They hollow out a coconut, and they, they make a hole in it that's big enough for a monkey to kind of stick their hand in there, but not big enough to get it back out if they make a fist. And so they put, like, a little shiny pebble of some sort in there, and the monkey will find that pebble in there and they will not let go they, they can't get their hand out if they don't let go but they won't let go and so they capture them and so she tells him this story 
and and uh, just looks him right in the eye. He's like, so what is it that you're holding on to, Andy? And uh, and and then just walks away. And he, you know, uh, years go by, really, a few years go by before, you know, he comes to this moment where he's like, what is it that I'm holding on to? Because he's he's been he starts reading the Bible and. Uh, and, and he's really drawn by it, but he's still just kind of doing what he wants to do. And uh, um, and he realizes that he needs to let go of his ego and his sense of this is what I want out of life and this is who I am and and life should should provide me with this, that, and the other thing. And he just let all that go. And and he said he just woke up with the next morning with such a sense of peace. And, and he started, uh, like, going to church like he found a church in his area having service every night and he would just go from place to place he was at church every single day until his all of his people that he you know his family and and his friends that that were christians even were were concerned about him but uh he uh you know as time went on he's still you know he can't hardly walk i mean he he eventually got where he could walk on it for a while without limping but you know eventually it would always catch up to him and he felt like God was uh wanted him to be a missionary and and he always would give him this yes but kind of answer he'd always say yeah but I don't I'm not educated yeah but I'm a cripple yeah but this that and the other thing and so one night he uh um he's out uh praying and uh uh, and he's like, you know, God, I've, I've always told you yes, but. So today I'm just going to tell you just yes. And uh, no no, no qualifications, just yes. Whatever you want me to do, uh, I, I'll do that. Just yes. And so, and, and he actually asked the Lord, he said, so I'm going to get up now and I'm going to walk back home. And, and I, I pray that you would take this first step uh, as as my my first step in uh, doing what, exactly what you want me to do, unqualified. And so he gets up and he takes a step and he and he gets this like blinding pain in his bad ankle, and he's thinking, "Oh no, what did I just do?" Uh, but he was okay, and so he he kept on going and uh, and God just healed it, and like it was itching for a few days, and these stitches worked their way out of the scar that had been there all this time because it never would quite heal up. But he was, but God healed him. And uh, in fact, uh, he, as he was walking along, he was thinking of the this scripture. He couldn't remember where it was, where it says going, they were healed. He just kept thinking of that scripture, but he couldn't remember what it was. And uh, it was really cool because we're reading along, and Jeremy's like, "Yeah, that was with the ten lepers." I was like, "So look at this guy, yes." And uh, like you think they're not listening, but they really do. And uh, and so, yep, sure enough, he gets home and he looks it up and that was what it was. But I thought it was really great because he, you know, he had all these things he wanted out of life. And uh, because life didn't turn out like he hoped it would, uh, he was angry and resentful. And, and rather than accept the life that God would have him live, he was determined to hold on to this upsetness that he had and his resentment and his disappointment with with life and uh and and eventually and it took God a while of you know just drawing him slowly 
and gently, but he eventually just gave all that stuff up. And, and, and of course, you guys know his story, I'd imagine, about how he uh, smuggled Bibles behind the Iron Curtain. And uh, nowadays, uh, um, uh, he uh, in more recent decades, he's worked in the Middle East a lot. Uh, I read a really interesting book that he wrote about his experiences with churches in the Middle East. It's really cool. I recommend it, except he kind of has a bit of an anti-Semitic bent to to some of his writing. But if you sort through that, it's a really interesting story nonetheless. Anyway, so talk about presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. Romans 12, John. Yes, sir. So, uh, so he... He didn't think that he would really be of any use necessarily. He couldn't see there was this Christian family in his village uh, growing up that he that he dealt with, and uh, uh, and when he was leaving for war, the guy told him well, he's like, well, well, uh, I I'll pray that you find the adventure that you're looking for, and uh, and of course he comes back crippled, and he goes to visit him, and he's like, so did you find that adventure you were looking for? He's like. Not exactly. Uh, and he's like, well, we'll just have to keep praying. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, sure. As soon as the adventure shows up, I'll be a natural. I'll just limp right out there and meet it now. And uh, uh, and it's funny. I was reading this book, and I could really identify with you know that, that sense of helplessness of I just wish I could just do this little simple stuff. Yeah, we we raked up some leaves yesterday in our front yard. And I managed to get through that without hurting myself, which was nice. But uh, by the time we filled up uh, five trash bags full of uh, of leaves, like the really big, big trash bags, I was thinking, this smacks of work. <laughs> On the Sabbath, no less. But uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. No. Well, but we, I, I wanted to do something with the kids, you know, some sort of like something where that we... Went outside and did together instead of just sitting around the house. So that was really cool. It was fun. Put up some Christmas lights in the kitchen, and you know, Zoe was all excited. And I uh, couldn't hardly get her to leave the the overhead lights alone because she wanted it dark in the kitchen so you could see the pretty lights. And, you know, I was always excited when it came time to decorate for Christmas when I was a kid, too. So, so, so a living sacrifice, and presenting yourself and being... Just willing to do whatever it is that, that God would have you do, and not even necessarily knowing what it is. I, I don't think a lot of times. I think God would like to have you agree that you're going to work with Him without necessarily knowing what all it might entail. Uh, and, and I think He's wise to do that because there, He knows uh, there there are things that if we knew that we were signing up for that, we wouldn't sign up for it. And uh, uh, but God's very wise at getting you in places with love, getting you in places that you can't get out of. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, to me, I think one of the most obvious uh, examples would be having a baby. Because once you get there, you, you know, it's like, can we put this on pause? It's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, it's too late now. So, yeah, by the time... By the time we had Zoe, Cynthia and I were kind of looking at each other like, let's not do this again. I mean, it was it was awesome, you know, having the babies and everything. And, and uh, sometimes, occasionally, I wish I had another one. But 
it's a lot of work. It really is. And, uh, uh, you know, we realized, well, we're not getting any, any younger, so why don't we just stop now? But, um, but you know, there are those things that you get into that you just, you can't back out. And, and so God's very wise to do that. Um, and, and the great thing is, too, is that God knows what's in you more than you do. He, he knows what you can do. He knows what you're made of. I, I went through an experience once that was so confusing. I mean, I, I could not figure out what was right. I mean, I felt like I knew what was right, but it just it seemed so fuzzy. And and I uh, and I was you know I made this determination. It's like this is how I'm going to handle this, and and that's all there is to it. And uh, eventually. Uh, I, I went out to dinner with Ron just kind of a, just to hang out, really. And I was telling him about this situation, not so much in a, I wasn't asking him, hey, tell me about this thing. I was just telling him how things were going in, in life in general. And he's like, well, let me tell you about that. Here's what's really going on. And it like turned my entire world upside down. But, and, and so I asked him, I was like, well, why did God let me go through it that way, not having... Why, why couldn't I see that before? Uh, this whole thing would have been a lot easier to go through if I would have seen that from the beginning. And, and he said, well, the thing is, is God wants you to see... Uh, he wants you to see what's inside. He wants you to see that you would make the right decision uh, without, all the right, without all the information, that you would just do the right thing. And uh, Which was encouraging because it didn't feel like I was doing the right thing at some times, but... Um, but you know the thing is, is uh, and it, and I don't say that like I did some grand thing. It's God knows what's in you, and and He knows how to get you through. Because uh, there were a lot of times in that situation where I was just scratching my head and wondering what on earth is happening to my life. But uh, uh, so. So this presenting, then, is a really interesting thing. Presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, your logical service, the thing that you would do, uh, because nothing else would really make sense. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Uh, And we all know about being conformed to something, because to be conformed to something typically requires heat and or pressure. And so uh, I was talking to the kids yesterday about peer pressure and about how it's like, you know, as you get older, you'll find this sense of social pressure from your peers to conform to them, to do things the way they do them. But you, but what the word of God says is to not be conformed to those things. Uh, the, uh, uh, the Youngs says to not be conformed to this age, which in some ways I find even more interesting uh, because uh, the the spirit of this age is certainly one to not want to be conformed to. Uh, so, uh, so being conformed then, uh, not to the world but to Him, and it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, I, I I like those two words together, conformed and transformed. So, you have this mold that you could fit to. Let's not fit to that mold. Let's be transformed into this other 
mold. Uh, and this, this word transformed is a change of condition. And so it's, it's where we get the word metamorphosis. And it's, it's, uh, it's either this word or a form of this word that it used uh, when Jesus was transfigured, uh, where he, it, his condition is changed from one thing to another. And it's always used in a, pasti- a passive way where it's not something you don't transform, you are transformed. So you don't do the transforming. The transforming is something that happens to you, uh, which is a, a precious thing. Uh, it reminds me of circumcision because you don't circumcise yourself. Your father does. And so it's, it comes at a time when you couldn't do it. And so it's a precious thing how God does these things uh, uh, because to me these verses at first glance kind of make you think... Uh, um, I, I really better put my nose to the, to the grindstone here and, you know, uh, you know, hike up my big boy undies and get this thing done. But really what he's saying here, the, 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 the linchpin that this whole thing is on is present yourselves. Is, is, is cooperate with me. Uh, let me do this. Give yourself to me so that I can do this stuff. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and this is a qualitative kind of renewing, not not like it's a it's not a a brand new thing. It's it's a changing something for the better, like a like a refreshing, and so and that's what the word of God does. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And the more you get into these places of being transformed by the renewing of your mind, uh, the more you, it's easy to think not so highly of yourself, but to think soberly. Because the more you know him, the more you know you, and the more you see the disparity and and the more you see the the love of God and how he he bridges that disparity and and does something in your life and and of course he goes on to talk about uh, um how you know we all work together we're we're not all we all don't have the same job and i find it interesting because he's talking about service and that that all of us have this reasonable service of that of this presenting ourselves to him uh, but it says that not all members have the same office. And he goes down through all these things, the gifts and the ministries and, and all these things. Um, so it's a precious thing that uh, we we all have different jobs and different services that we do, but we all have this one same service to do of presenting ourselves to him as a living sacrifice, living in this place of continually uh, offering ourselves uh, to him uh, not not doing our own thing. Now go over with me to Philippians one. I'll wrap this up real quick or two. Sorry, you know where I'm going. You know it's funny because Ron always said that uh, he would preach something once and he didn't think he ever needed to preach it again. And uh, and then he realized that when you teach something, you have to say it over and over again. And uh, 
I was encouraged by that because I've only been doing this a little over a year, and sometimes I think, but God, I already talked about this, and they already all know this. <laughs> but uh, it's a precious thing to have that, uh, they get that practice of, of letting God do what he wants to do. Uh, so if there be any comfort or any consolation in Christ, verse 1, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem another better than themselves. Look not every man to his own things, but every man also in the things of others. And so that's kind of what he goes on to talk about in Romans that I, I just kind of glossed over. But it's kind of these same sorts of things. Uh, and, and it's all through the New Testament of preferring one another in love and uh, you know, not being jealous of, of the things that, that God does in other people's life and, and those kinds of things. Because it, it, it can be easy to do, to, to be like, man, why is it that God's doing that cool thing with them and not so much with me? But, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's a blessing to see God do those things in someone else. And, and it's an encouraging thing. Um, you know, when you... Uh, um, well, I, I had the a couple of really cool things happen at work, and I emailed the our, our little coach guy because he likes to know how things are going. He likes to get these little updates. They're rather self-inflating for him. But uh, <laughs> um, but I, I told him about the stuff, and I you know I told him you know that I appreciated his his teaching and his advice and stuff, and that that the things that were happening were a result of that. And, um, um, but I told him, you know, I know from my own experience in other areas of my life that it's really encouraging when you try and help somebody with something and you see it start working in their life. And uh, and so, uh, so I just wanted to tell you I appreciate the things that you've had to say to us. Because, uh, you know, last, the last time I talked to him on the phone, he... Uh, uh, basically said that what I said was a bunch of crap, which and that I was, you know, basically not really being forthcoming with him about what, what I, what we were talking about. I'm like, well, I just was trying to present it in a positive light because I knew you would say that, but <laughs> I wasn't quite that cheeky with him, but you know, close. Uh, but but you know, the to have, you know, uh, there is a thing about teaching that that does have that repetition to it and if if you've known me for any length of time you've probably heard my stories in much the exact same phrasing and intonation over and over again uh, mike told me that would make me a good salesman because i could do the spiel the same way every time so uh, i don't know if that's a good thing or not um but you know i i thought uh, i remember back when i was in my early 20s uh uh, when Cynthia and I had to go see this uh, therapist guy after she got out of the hospital, and and I knew I didn't want to do what he did necessarily because he was you know this touchy feely psychiatrist guy, <laughs> and his name was Sheldon. I mean, who wants to be you know, <laughs> hard to take take a guy seriously if his name's Sheldon? But um. But I remember thinking, you know, there were several people that we talked to, you know, doctors and social workers, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I got to thinking, man, that would be such a neat job to help people. Yeah. And uh, um, 
You know, but it was funny because I was always kind of, you know, uh, very not one to give anybody any sort of advice about anything serious. And, uh, um, but you know, to, you know, to have somebody just have some sort of thing that they come and, and talk to you about and then having God do something for them and you got to just sort of be there, uh, is, is really an encouraging thing. And, and finding out that, your own experiences are not worthless, but that other other people can benefit from them. Because if you've ever seen Facing the Giants, there was the scene where they they do the death crawl, and I've had moments, well, years in my life that felt like that, and you never knew when you were going to get to the end of it, and and you just had to keep pushing, you know, and and there was. So many times that you would just be, you know, trembling, trying to keep up this crawl on your face with somebody on your back and and thinking, this is so dumb. This is worthless. I hate this. I can't see this ever being of any value to anything. And uh, and it always feels that way in the moment, even though you know better. And and yet coming to to those places where it actually benefits somebody else in your life is is a really super encouraging thing. Um, but he says uh, in verse 5, and you guys probably don't even need to look at this to, to follow along with me, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So, uh, so there's that renewing of our mind then that that he was talking about in Romans, because we want our mind to be renewed, and and that's how our mind gets renewed by letting him put his mind in there, and and changing the things that that he does, or the, change the way that we think. I was looking through that and thinking, man, I, I just talked about that like a week or two ago out of Philippians. Do I really want to talk about it again? And I I thought of this little story I read where this, uh, this, this preacher gets hired at this church and he preaches this sermon and everybody's really blessed. And they come back the next week and he preaches the exact same sermon again. And the elders come and they're like, hey, you know, that was a, you know, the sermon sure was a blessing, but... You know, maybe maybe we should preach another one next time. He's like, well, sure. As soon as everybody gets that one, I'll preach another one. <laughs> so, uh, no, but it, it's a blessing because sometimes, you know, you just need to hear something different. Hear it a different way. Hear it again. And, uh, you know, I was encouraged by those things because to... Um, you know, God has this way of bringing you to these like places of tremendous pressure and making them sound like this isn't so bad. It's like you know, because you know, offering yourself as a living sacrifice. It's like, oh, that sounds really dreadful. <laughs> and and yet, he's like, but you know, that all I'm wanting you to do is agree to it. You know, just sign on the dotted line. You know, and and it's like it's like getting married. You know, I Cynthia had just finished ninth grade when we started dating, and I was in despair because I had I was done with high school, so an an adult technically, and uh, you know it felt like that was 
just never going to end. Felt like it was never going to happen. I thought I might die before she graduated high school and turned 18 and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a motivating thing in my life because I worked this minimum wage job that I could make up my schedule as I went. If I didn't feel like going to work, I didn't have to go to work. So I just didn't go to work. And if I got there and decided this was boring and I'd like to go home and play video games, I did. And, you know, it's a terrible job for an 18-year-old. And, uh, uh, but I realized if I was ever going to move out of my parents' house and get married, I was going to have to get a real job. And so, so I did. Uh, and so there was a lot of work entailed with this whole thing of, uh, do you want to marry the pretty girl? Yes, I do. Okay, well, you're going to have to work a bit. You're going to have to do a few things. Eventually, you're going to have to sign on the little dotted line, uh, that yes, I, you know, I've, you know, promised before all these people that I'm going to do this stuff, so help me God, and I'm going to, now I've got it written down on paper. But it's not like it was this dreadful thing that I didn't want to do. I was like, like, do you? Well, um, let me think about that. No, Nobody, you know, nobody wants to get to the altar and be like, you know, do you take this woman? It's like, well, let me think about it. You know, it's like, nobody, nobody, nobody does that. You know, by the time you get there, it's like, Yes, please. It's like, you know, it's like, can you skip to the end where we kiss and let's get on with the party? You know, but, um, so, you know, Zoe loves weddings. She gets so excited. She's like, they're going to kiss and then we're going to have cake. <laughs> so, yep. so just know that if you're planning a wedding anytime in the future, then Zoe appreciates the cake. So. Well, Jesus, we just thank you for all that you're doing for us and that you're doing in us, God. And I just uh, I pray that you bring each one of us to that place, God, of uh, of seeing things that clearly, God, of just cooperating with you and presenting ourselves to you. And uh, and yes, there is obedience of, uh, to your voice and the things that you would tell us to do. God, but it all goes comes down to this cooperating and just agreeing with you to do the things that, that you would do in us and, and letting you do the things that you would do in us. And God, today I just pray that you would bring every one of us to those places of, of full surrender to you, God, of, of presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. And God, we pray that uh, you would keep every person in this place, God, safely to the end of the road. God, you have intended uh, to get us safely to the end of the road. God, you have no intention of um, of letting us slip through your fingers, Lord Jesus, and, and we appreciate that, God. And if we if we miss the opportunities, God, you know how to bring them around again, and you know how to uh, wind our pathway through a place that that makes the choice uh, seem more worth it the next time around. And God, we pray that you would uh, just do those things in us, God, that our confidence would be not in us. Uh, being a living sacrifice, God, but in in offering ourselves to you as the living sacrifice and you getting the things done in our life. God, just like when you, you made the light in creation. God, we pray it and ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.